the rest of you, if you could pull out your Bible, open it up to Galatians chapter 1. In your bulletin, I've got a place for you to take some notes. Uh, But I wanted to start by talking to you about Gertrude McFuzz. This is Gertrude McFuzz. Look familiar to some of you? Dr. Seuss fans? All right. So Gertrude McFuzz was very upset because she only had one feather. And she looked around, and there were other birds that had amazing plumage, uh, just gorgeous feathers. And so she was very upset, and so she went and sought an old wise bird and said, how can I get more feathers because I only have this one feather? And he said, well, there's this plant that grows, and you can go, and when you eat the berries, the berries will give you more feathers. So Gertrude heads over, eats a berry, and sure enough, a second feather pops out. And, and Gertrude is so excited that she says, all right, we're, we're going to do this again. And she ends up eating every berry on the bush and gets a whole ton of feathers. But she gets so many feathers that come out that she can't even fly. And so she's got tons of people or tons of other birds carrying her so that she can actually get back home. And she's so frustrated by everything that she has these other birds uh, help her start pulling out these other feathers because they're weighing her down and, and, and keeping her from being able to fly and being able to move around. And the story ends thusly. And finally, when all of the pulling was done, Gertrude, behind her, again, had just one. That one little feather that she had as a starter. But now that's enough. Because now, she is smarter. This morning, we're going to tackle the question, is it enough? Is the gospel really enough for you? Or do you need more? So, let's explore this together, but let me commit our time with prayer, and then we'll explore this. Lord, use me in my brokenness and, God, just where I'm at, use me. Allow my words to be um, not mine, but yours. God, speak to every heart in this room, including my own. God, just let you be the focus Let us see nothing but you. Let us walk out of here with praise for no one but you. We love you. Amen. All right, so we're in the book of Galatians. And I wanted to go back uh, to what Dave was talking about last week as he was looking at uh, the tone of the book of Galatians. Um, So I wanted to go back to that because um, he tossed out, he tossed out a number of things. He, first of all, he tossed out numerous invitations to tackle him, uh, which just excited me to no end. Um, but uh, but they were all based around um, him preaching the gospel. And he said, if I if I preach anything more than the gospel, if I preach anything but the gospel, if I start distorting it, you have permission to come up and tackle me. 
And he said, as he was talking, like, check what I say and follow up with it and make sure that my words are accurate. And I invite you to do the same anytime I'm up here. And if you need to come and tackle me, hey, come and tackle me, please. But one of the things Dave tossed out last week is he said that most of the other letters that Paul wrote started with a positive tone, whereas Galatians starts with this negative tone. So I'm like, okay. And I couldn't remember if he said most or all, so I had to go back through every single one of Paul's letters in the scriptures and check and see what the tone was of every single one. You ready? Here we go. Romans chapter 1, verse 8 says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Ephesians 1, verses 15 and 16, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So that was all of Paul's letters to the churches, save one. Eight of the nine letters to the churches begin with this thanksgiving for the people that he's writing to. The one that's missing is Galatians, which we'll come back to in a minute. Now, Paul also wrote four letters to individuals. And two of them begin with this thanksgiving again. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. And Philemon chapter 1, verse 4, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Now the other two of Paul's four letters to individuals, and the only other two besides Galatians that don't begin with thankfulness, are Titus in 1 Timothy. Now, Titus kicks off with um, uh, Paul's writing, and he's telling Titus, like, here's what I expect for leaders in the church. He gets right into it. Here are some of my expectations for elders in the church. Check out what he says in verses 9 through 11. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. See his issue? that he's bringing up? Don't teach what you shouldn't be teaching. Teach what's right. Teach what's true. 
And in his first letter to Timothy, Paul opens like this. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So here again, when Paul is not starting with thankfulness, what is he going to? Teach sound doctrine. Preach it right. And then here's our passage. Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary than the one you received, let him be accursed. Clearly, Paul has a passion for the gospel and for it to be taught right and for it to be brought right. We can see that in the way he kicks off this letter. And in the two other letters where he starts with this negative tone, he's got the same thrust. He's got the same objective going on. So if the gospel is truly that important, let's take a look at what the gospel is. So what is the gospel? The gospel is a lot of things, but I'm going to give you three this morning. Three things the gospel is. First of all, the gospel is simple. I love it. The gospel is simple. In our passage, let's let's flip just a little bit before. Well, we don't have to flip. It's like right there. Let's go back to last week's passage. Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man. This is the first thing we learn about the gospel. It's not from men. But through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Our our series title is Right from God. And where do we get this gospel? We get it right from God. Paul makes that crystal clear right at the beginning. And he continues to make that clear through the book. This isn't from me. This is directly from God. Not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father... Who raised him from the dead? That's part of the gospel. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches in Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ready for the gospel? Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus Christ gave himself for us. He delivered us. And this was God's will. 
Hopefully you're catching the simplicity of what the gospel is. He spells it out better in 1 Corinthians. So if you want to keep your finger in Galatians 1 and flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says in verse 1 of chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15. Here, I'll put it on the screen for you. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Let me remind you of the gospel, Paul says. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That's it. That's the Gospel. The Gospel centers around Jesus and what he did for us. So then it goes on and uh, says that he appeared to Cephas, the twelve, more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. Now check out what Paul says here. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Did you see that? By the grace of God, I am what I am. The gospel is so simple, and it focuses around Christ and nothing of us. Romans 10.9 points to the gospel as well. It simply says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's it. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. The gospel, real simple. Second, the gospel is good news. Isn't the gospel good news? Isn't it good news? Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that good news? I don't know about you, but that pumps me up. That excites me. I was a sinner. I was a mess. Full of garbage. But he died for me. He died for me. He died for you. That's such good news. It's great. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It's such good news. It's actually deep in the word, and and many of you have heard this about the word gospel, but gospel comes from the Old English, god spell. God means good, and spell meaning tale or news. So it literally means good news. 
So I thought about this idea, good news. Everywhere, people are craving good news. Why? Because good news gives them hope. When, when, when I get good news, oh man, that, that gives me something to look forward to or that, that gives me something to keep myself going. For a lot of people, it helps them get through the day. There's good news. I went on Twitter, and I just searched for good news. And uh, about every 10 seconds, someone else was posting something about good news. Here's some of the things that people posted about good news on Twitter. I love this one. Good news. You're not illiterate. <laughs> I loved it. That's good news. <laughs> took me a, a couple seconds, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, right, yeah, because I'm reading this. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, someone else said, and I think this is a common sentiment, love hearing such good news. It puts me in the best mood. You know, man, when I get to hear good news, man, that, that totally changes my day. Gives me a positive outlook. This next one kind of made me sad. I don't even know why I tell people my good news. This person's clearly so excited about their good news, and then they go and talk to somebody else and just get shot down. You know, but for them, it was something that, man, I'm excited, man, I can't wait. But then I go and I, and I tell everybody else. And they just shoot me down. And the more I thought about good news, I realized what the good news speaks to judges how long it's, it's going to last. Right? If I say, hey, good news, I've got an extra lollipop. That's good news but it's only going to last for a short amount of time. Or, good news, the 49ers are winning. I, I don't know. I haven't checked. Okay. <laughs> I won't be offended if you do. Okay, sorry. See, I don't even know. <laughs> but see, that's, that's, that's a, for a short time. Now, it's a little bit longer if you say, hey, good news, the 49ers won. That's a little bit longer of good news. How about... Good news, the weekend is coming. Some people live for that. Man, I can't take this anymore. But hey, it's Thursday, which means tomorrow's Friday, and the weekend's coming, so I'm going to hang on to that good news. Good news, the weekend's coming. Good news, I've got my boat. Good news, I get a break from work. But that only can keep them going for so long. Some things are bigger. Good news, you got the job. That's huge. Good news, you've got a healthy baby. Good news, the tumor isn't cancerous. What the good news speaks to judges how long it's going to last. See, many people live from good news to good news, trying to find news that is good enough to sustain them. Man, okay, well, the lollipop is just not going to get me that far. But hey, the 49ers are doing great. That'll keep me going. But then football season ends. And then what? Okay, I got the job. Yes, good news. Then I started the job, and boy, can't wait for that weekend. <laughs> How fleeting can that good news be, right? 
But see, the gospel is good news. But what I really wanted to rest on today is this third part. That the gospel is enough. As I was studying and wrestling with this passage, in some ways it's a passage that preaches itself. I joked to Dave, I said, I'm just going to stand up here and and read these four verses and sit down. (laughs) Because, I mean, it's right there. Why are you so quickly deserting this gospel? The gospel is what Christ did on the cross for your sins. That's it. That's all that the gospel is. It's simple. So the question is, is that enough? Let's read this passage again. And no, I'm not going to sit down right after. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So they are deserting the gospel. Now, there are some for whom deserting is complete departure from Christ and accepting a completely different gospel. Like, I I am completely leaving Christ and going to a totally different gospel. Whether it's in football, whether it's in the weekend, whether it's in a job, whether it's in Buddha, whether it's in... I mean, you, you can make the list as long as you want. But they completely give up on Christ entirely and go and find something completely different. There are some that that's what deserting the gospel means for them. Okay? Now, this isn't what's going on in this passage. So I've left that as a a community group question, which, by the way, our community group questions are going to start being posted online. And give it up for the sound and recording team back there, because they're doing a great job. (laughs) A few weeks ago, we said, hey, we want the sermons up. Uh, sooner, and they started getting them up like Sunday afternoon, and it was great. So the sermons are getting up right after, so you can go on and listen, and right attached to that will be the notes, will be the community group questions, so that within your community group, you can pull those up and discuss them, or if you're not in a community group, you can pull that up and discuss it with your family at home. But one of the questions within the community group questions is talking about this idea of people that are completely deserting Christ and going in, in, in a completely different direction. But the type of desertion that's going on here in Galatians is a little bit different from that. It's leaving the idea that the simple gospel is enough. So they add to it. The simple gospel isn't enough, so so I'm going to add more to it. And people who have heard the gospel do this for a variety of reasons. Whether it's someone not feeling redeemed enough, or thinking the gospel wasn't attractive enough, or thinking that it didn't make enough sense, 
or trying to make it fit with his or her own ideas, they feel that they need to spruce up the gospel. Remember our question? Is it enough? Is the gospel enough? And problems arise when the answer is no, and people add on to it. First of all, and what's going on in this passage, is people feel like they're not redeemed enough. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But that's not enough. There's got to be more. I've got to do more. And what's going on in Galatians, um, as we'll find out as we dig into the rest of the book, and if you want to read ahead, that's totally okay. We, we don't have any problem with that. The, the addition that's happening here is circumcision. And what's happening is the Jewish Christians are saying to the Gentile Christians, look, like, yeah, okay, great, you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, but, but you're not quite there yet. You also have to be circumcised. But is that what the gospel is? Absolutely not. The gospel is that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Done. Circumcision is something that doesn't need to be added to the gospel. And what's happening here is some people are coming in and saying, this is what you need to do to really get the gospel. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and be circumcised. So often this standard is imposed by others. That you're not redeemed enough just by simply confessing with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's not enough. And there's more that has to be added. In today's day and age, it looks a little bit different than circumcision. It comes in forms of, well, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and, and dress a certain way when you come to church, then you'll be saved. Or, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and vote Republican, then you'll be saved. Or, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and whatever. Add into that whatever you've experienced. As I've gone from, from one church to another, just growing up and then going away to college, and then I moved up to Washington for a couple of years, the, the and changed from place to place. So it was all I could do to try to keep up, to make sure that I fit within whatever gospel that was being given to me. Well, yeah, I've confessed with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and I've believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead, but I haven't fit into this little uh, bubble that you want me to fit into, or I haven't done this thing, or I haven't added this, or I haven't done this, so I must not be saved, or I must not be right before God yet, because I haven't taken care of this and this and this and this. That's not what the gospel is at all. And so other people come and try to impose that. Don't let them. Now, if the standard isn't imposed by others, it's often self-imposed. Well, God will love me when I clean up my act. Or God will love me when I've got more verses memorized. I can't come to Christ yet. God will love me when I understand predestination. 
going to be waiting a long time. <laughs> Had a great two-hour conversation with some of our students on Friday about that. It was great. And, and we got nowhere. God will love me when I'm ready to serve more. He already loves you. The gospel's already available. It's right there for you. But if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. There's no and after that. You will be saved. Or maybe the standard that you're adding that self-imposed is, is more pharisaical. Well, I'm saved because I've confessed with my mouth Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, and I have a spotless church attendance. I do the right things. That's how I grew up. I grew up thinking, man, if, if I do the right things, I'm good before God. You know, yeah, sure, I, 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 my parents told me that I prayed this prayer when I was three and a half, so, yeah, I, I did that part. But I'm also, like, I'm, I'm really a good kid. You know, some of my friends at school, they say bad words, but I don't say bad words. You know, or, or some of my friends are doing this, or some of my friends watch these kind of movies. And, and I'm not doing any of those things. So, therefore, I'm right before God. That's not the gospel. Or, I, you know, kind of like what I was just saying. I'm saved because I'm, I'm better than them. So I must be right before God. Because I've, I've, I've prayed that prayer, and, and, and look how good I'm doing. Or I'm saved because I'm such a good preacher. God, are you hearing me? Aren't I doing a good job? That, that, that means I get brownie points in heaven, right? That means I'm like guaranteed a spot because I'm standing up in front of a church and preaching. That's not what the gospel is. I'm saved because, oh, oh, I can sing so well, Lord. Hear my beautiful voice. Or I can do, I do so much for my community, or I give so much of my money, or uh, I'm saved because I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord, believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead, and I got baptized. But I wasn't saved until I got baptized. But since I did that, now, now I'm good to go because I've done all of those things. Let's go back and remind ourselves of what the gospel is. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. There is no and after that. That's it. You will be saved. Does that make all these things bad? Absolutely not. But these are responses to the gospel. These are not a part of what the gospel is. The Galatians were getting wrapped up in that. Oh, well, the gospel isn't enough, so we've got to add to that. We've got to add circumcision to that. I wasn't redeemed enough. Or some people say it's, the gospel isn't attractive enough. Well, yeah, you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Oh, and did you know that when you die, if you're good enough, you get to become your own God and get your own planet and rule your own people? That's what another church preaches. That's not the gospel. Yeah, this, you know, sure, confessing and believing, yeah, that, that's good, but let's add some more to it so that, you know, other people can come. Or, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the, from the dead, and by the way, you're going to get to live a comfortable life. Let's make it more attractive. 
That's not the gospel. For some, the gospel didn't make enough sense. Jesus can't be both God and man. So let's just make Jesus God's son. He can't, he's not God. He's, he's God's son. That, that, that makes a little more sense. So let's just pitch it that way. Or, or some people feel like they're not tolerant enough. So they've got to add to the gospel. Well, yeah, yeah. Believe in your heart, you know, God raised him from the dead, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Well, and, you know, if you want to come by, by means of Buddha, that, that's great too. That works. Or if you want to come uh, by, by means of Allah, that's, that, that's fine too. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're just calling him different names and it's all the same God and we're all just going to wind up together in, in this paradise or uh, utopia or heaven or whatever you want to call it. And it's all the same. It's all good. Yeah, I'm doing Jesus, and, 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 and you're doing Allah, and, and you're doing Buddha. Great. We're all in this together. See, the gospel just isn't tolerant enough, so, so I'm going to add to it. The gospel has to be enough. Let me tell you what happens when the gospel is enough. When the gospel is enough, first of all, it's freeing. When the gospel is enough, it's freeing. Jesus says in John chapter 8, so if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. If I come in, if I set you free, that's it, it's done. You don't need to worry about others' expectations of you. Know what Jesus did for you. I got pulled into that. I got sucked into that lie that I needed to confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, and do all these other things. Then I would be saved. And boy, that was a burden on me. And it weighed on me and it slowed me down. And I'm like, man, this is so hard. And am I really saved? And, you know, and I questioned this and I, I had a hard time with it because there's no way I can be saved because I'm not doing enough. I haven't finished all the requirements. No, no, no. The gospel is so simple. There's no need to add to the gospel because it is enough. You don't have to worry about being good enough. Because guess what? You aren't. And neither am I. None of us is ever going to be good enough to get the gospel. So isn't that freeing that we don't have to worry about that? Man, such a load off my back. God doesn't need your help with the gospel. He's got it covered. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. God's like, I got this. You don't need to do anything more. You don't need to add to that. To be saved, that's all that it takes. It's simple. It's enough. So when the gospel is enough, it is so freeing. Such a burden lifted. Ah. 
That's all that it takes to be saved? Man, how freeing. Now again, let me say, like doing all these good things is not a bad thing. But again, it's a response. It's a response to the gospel. When the gospel is enough, it is freeing. When the gospel is enough, it is accessible. Share it. When the gospel is enough, it's accessible for anyone. You don't have to sit around and wait for your neighbor to stop sleeping around. Man, once, once they stop doing that, then I can share with them the gospel. Or, boy, they sure curse a lot, but once they clean up their language, then I can share the, the gospel with them. Or, you know, they're not really the church-going type, so I'd better wait until they, like, get ready to, to go to church, and then it's time for me to share the gospel. No! The gospel is accessible right now. In fact, what I just listed off are some of the people that need the gospel the most. The gospel is accessible for anyone. There's no qualifiers. There's no, you have to take care of this, 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 this. And then you can uh, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. There's nothing that needs to happen before that. The gospel is so accessible and available to anybody. So will you go and share it? those that need to hear it? Will you accept how free it is? Jesus took care of it all. And frankly, I have to trust that because I can't take care of it. Let me leave you with this passage and invite the band up as I'm reading this to you. Mark chapter 2. Verses 15 to 17. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners tax collectors, said to the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I bring up this passage just to say, don't get wrapped up, maybe in some qualifiers that you're putting on yourself, maybe some qualifiers that other people have put on you and said, you need to be like this. You need to be around these kind of people. You need to do this, do that, to be able to receive the gospel. That is so not true. The gospel is accessible for anyone that confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead. And that's it.
Will you accept the freedom that that gives you? And will you pass that on to somebody else today? Lord, thanks for making it simple. God, it grieves my heart sometimes to to look around at some of the other religions in this world and the amount of things that, that need to get done to be able to achieve paradise. It's, it, it's a daunting task. God, it would terrify me to feel like I'm just not quite there yet, not quite there yet, not quite there yet. And so I'm spending my entire life trying to get there. But the beauty is that you've offered us the gospel. And it's so simple. And there's nothing that needs to be added to it. You make it so available for us. So God, let us just marvel in that today and how good you are. And God, help us to um, just continue to accept that and not to buy into what some other people might be trying to tell us, that we need to do more to be saved. Because we don't. Let our lives be a reflection of our gratitude. But let us also remember that it is a response and that it is not earning our salvation by any means because we can't do it. We love you. Amen.